desire to speak to us, Lord, through our brother and friend. Lord, we bless, Lord, the word that you have planted deep within him. Lord, may it come forth and find good soil that will not simply hear it, but will retain it and will live it out. And so transformation may come. For your glory, for your praise, for your honor, we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It takes, it's a great honor today to welcome our friend, our brother, who is no stranger to us. Uh, Alan has been joining us since 2005 here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and uh, many of you have received ministry from Alan through uh, years past, and we're delighted to receive again this morning. So would you please join me in welcoming our friend, Alan? Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be back at Bethel this weekend to share the Word of God with you this morning. Pastor Jim invited me to jump into the series that you have been working through in recent weeks on all the different themes that came out of the Reformation. I know that Pastor Jim has been teaching deep and teaching wide and laying the foundation of Christ Jesus in your life as you grow as a church and develop into maturity in Christ Jesus as you go beyond the elementary things and move towards maturity in Christ Jesus. So the foundation of Bethel Christian Fellowship reflects the glory and honor of God, but also is a strong indicator of a people actively serving the Lord, a people actively seeking the Lord, and a people actively awaiting the next move of God's Holy Spirit. This morning's message is sola fide, by faith alone. Latin is not my strong point. Some of you will be thinking, English is not your strong point either. But I forgive you, because it's Christmas. Please turn to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans, chapter 10. Romans 10, reading from verse 4 all the way down to verse 10. So good to be amongst friends this morning. Romans 10, verse 4. This is New, New American Standard Bible. In heaven, all people will read the New American Standard Bible. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, 
That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Let's pray. Father, we have read from your word, a weighty word, a significant portion of Scripture, for when human beings interpret this portion of Scripture accurately, They are heaven-bound. But when human beings philosophize about those Bible verses, when human beings speculate on those Bible verses, all they do is produce a form of Christianity that's akin to the spirit of the age. We want to be people of truth this morning, Father, because... Historically, you have put a great emphasis on this portion of Scripture. We want to hear from your Holy Spirit this morning, Father, that we will be taught the reality of sola fide, by faith alone, that we will be so marked by your Holy Spirit, that we will rejoice that we are children of reformation, that our minds and hearts have undergone a personal reformation, that we stand by faith alone, that we acknowledge we are heaven-bound by faith alone because of the resonance of this teaching, because of the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are heaven-bound faith alone. We bless you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Sola fide, by faith alone. This is a good message for a Scotsman to preach. It's probably the most positive aspect of our national heritage, that we are a nation that went through reformation, We are a nation that was deeply impacted by the ministry of Martin Luther. Our firebrand was a man named John Knox and raised up a company of pastors, teachers, and prophets that took this message to the towns and cities of Scotland. Many were martyred because they chose to preach this message. This morning as we hear this word in the context of a democratic USA, we can hide away in our hearts that many, many men and women gave their lives to preach this message. That when the spirit of error 
arose and said, you are so wrong. Salvation is through admission to the church. And the spirit of the reformer preached Christ Jesus even more ferociously, proclaimed sola fide with a passion and a determination that was inextinguishable. We can acknowledge, celebrate, and honor our forefathers that preached this message unto death. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to preach this message unto life this morning, that we will be experiencing an expansion of the life that is already within us. For when it all boils down, this is the primary message, the place where we encounter a divine transaction that launches us into genuine Christian discipleship. Weighted people have had much to say about sola fide. I'm going to quote three people very quickly. Martin Luther, John Calvin, and Pope Benedict. The present Pope used to be a nightclub steward in Buenos Aires. What's that got to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Mere trivia. As he was throwing drunk people out of the nightclub in Buenos Aires to the sons of Bipopahula, she's my baby. Little did that Argentinian man with the leaning towards Catholicism know his career would go through a major makeover. Back to the message. Martin Luther said, Sola Fide is the chief article of the whole Christian doctrine, which comprehends the understanding of all godliness. If we don't get this right, we will have a bizarre, dysfunctional Christianity. John Calvin put it more succinctly. Everyone who would obtain the righteousness of Christ must renounce his own. Human beings are self-righteous. Religious human beings are very self-righteous. Men and women raised in the subliminal doctrines of secular humanism are incredibly self-righteous. The common response to, that most human beings demonstrate when do you believe in God question is put to them is, I am a good person. I'm not sure if there's a God. There might be, there probably is. But when I die, he will look at me and say, well, basically, Alan has been a good person. will not mention this, that, or the other I will overlook the gag about the present Pope. And because Alan's basically a good person, he is heaven-bound. What a flimsy belief to put your faith in. Imagine settling your entire eternal destiny in such a flimsy belief. Multitudes are deceived into thinking that's a good way to exit this life into the world to come. 
Pope Benedict, not the former nightclub bouncer, but the German guy, he said in November 2008, Luther's expression, sola fide, is true. If faith is not against charity, if faith is not against love. So here we have two great Protestants and one great Catholic joining together in agreement, albeit people that were alive in different times, reaching out across the span of the ages to join in a common witness that solely for day is absolutely accurate. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to take us on a brief journey this morning so we can connect some historical threads of this message and walk out of here in a new prophetic understanding of this message. It's not just simply a theological position. It explains and demonstrates our present spiritual life in Christ Jesus. We can bring to the table qualifications that enables you and I to be absolutely free to live in the liberty that Christ Jesus has brought to our lives by faith alone. We looked at Romans 10 this morning. We worked through six very powerful verses. I felt like a Scottish Presbyterian all over again, going through those Bible verses. I pray the Spirit of the living God will restore the Scottish Presbyterian Church. I pray the Spirit of the living God will drive out the liberal spirit that's raising up weak and effeminate Christians in Scotland. I pray that the Holy Spirit will drive out the spirit of error that has made the Presbyterian Church in Scotland look more like a 21st century social club. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. A declaration. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This is a Bible verse we are all very familiar with. The problem is this morning, there's nothing I've said that is either a shock or a challenge to anyone here. We have been raised and nurtured in these basic truths. To broaden out the lens a little bit more, I believe this house is a prototype apostolic ministry. In St. Paul, that will continue to grow in apostolic excellence and destiny and impact nations, as well as parts of Minnesota and beyond. We're waiting for a new move of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, at the Leader's Edge, we looked at some of the nuts and bolts of all that God needs to work in and work through us so we can be a people moving towards the next move of the Holy Spirit. Traditionally, the book of Romans generally provides a biblical framework for a fresh move 
of the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther got eternal truth through studying the book of Romans. There was portions of this book he could not leave alone. He could not put down until the truth penetrated his conscience and he stood in the light of Christ Jesus, acknowledging that he was a sinner and that he needed to enter into personal faith in Christ alone for salvation. I know in the kingdom of God there is no quick fixes, no three steps to absolute revival. I believe good counsel for you and I this morning is to read the book of Romans, to immerse ourselves in the book of Romans, and to ask the Holy Spirit to quicken apostolic and prophetic themes from the book of Romans. This will teach you and I to be forerunner voices, that we will see truth in abstract, that in the fullness of time will be truth building the foundation of the mainstream body of Christ. So when we read Romans 10, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, we hit the radical of that statement. That Christ Jesus has birthed a new covenant in the church. That Christ Jesus has created an arena for salvation amongst the Gentiles. That Christ Jesus has created a new environment for the presence of God. And challenged in the process a generational mindset that declared is by obedience and adherence to the law that you will be saved this day. All the other religions of the world emulate the Jewish faith in that it's by the law, their law. It's by works, their works, that you may or may not be saved. We can blow the whistle on obeying the law this morning. We can blow the whistle and say, it's all over. It's a new dispensation. I remember an alcoholic calling me in Glasgow in late 1997. Can I see you? No problem. I spent time with him. I befriended him. He would call me and say, I'm doing better, still drinking, but doing better. What should I do on the issue of drink? I said, keep drinking. I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking. Drink away. Have a blast. Some months later, he called me with his life in utter ruins. Alan, I want to stop drinking more than anything else in life, and I will do whatever it takes to stop drinking. I brought to him Christ Jesus that day, and in January 2014, in January 2014, this man will be 16 years sober in Christ Jesus. I didn't bring him the law. I brought him Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is still bearing fruit 
in my dear friend Colin's life to the glory of God. Here is a new mindset. It can look at one level like we're involved in a big spiritual jamboree. We can say, forget the law, acknowledge Jesus, have a blast, you're on your way to heaven. When we look at this Bible verse down a Western mindset, when we consider the truth claim of this Bible verse in a democratic set of emotions that attaches very well to the spirit of this age, we can look at this Bible verse as our passport to heaven a no-cost Christianity. Truth is, Christ Jesus ends the law as far as you and I trying to obey the law is concerned. But when Christ Jesus abides in the human spirit, he fulfills the law in that human spirit. It's an incredible modification to our old covenant counterparts. We go through a circumcision. As believers, not a physical circumcision, and every man present here said, praise the Lord. But a circumcision of the hearts. A circumcision regarding the removal of the old nature and an introduction to the new nature. A birthing of the new nature that we are one person in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not come on the scene in the abstract. Jesus followed through from the old covenant, fulfilling the law and the prophets, and then became, to you and I, Lord and Savior, as he lives all of this out within our lives. Our lives are not our own. We will be a people most miserable and beggarly if we try and live up to the claims of Christ, the truths of Christ. We will be a people most defeated, depressed, and living in cycles of perpetual defeat if we put ourselves at the center of the Christian faith and try and live up to the standards we read in the Word of God. When we allow Christ Jesus to fulfill the law in our lives, we will resemble the final race of people upon the face of the earth that have entered into a blood covenant between God the Father and God the Son. We still live in the reality of Christ fulfilling the law in our lives, but we live in the reality of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's what makes all the difference in the world. But in a time where God is calling forth many of his ancient people, Israel, into a personal relationship with the Messiah, many of a Jewish Cousins are still awaiting the Messiah every day, awaiting for the arrival of the Messiah. But the Holy Spirit is pointing to the one who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit 
is pointing to the one who became the man of Calvary. The Holy Spirit is pointing to the one who was arisen from the dead, who ascended, and on the day of Pentecost sent forth the Holy Spirit to birth the new movement called the Way that would carry the presence and message of Jesus initially in testimony forum throughout the known worlds. That's the power of Christ Jesus. That's the power of living as a people that acknowledge Christ as the end of the law for righteousness. Moving on very quickly, we're a people, Romans 10, verse 6, that live on a righteousness, live on righteousness based on faith alone, a righteousness that is not our own righteousness, but a righteousness that has come into our life through faith alone. We did not tick a box. We did not acknowledge a theological truth. Something happened between heaven and our lives where we believed and then received a righteousness that was not of our own. A transition from saying, I'm Alan when I die. And if there's a God, he will look at me and say, he's a good guy. He's goofed up a few times. Basically, a good guy, but sometimes very stupid. He's heaven-bound. A surrendering of that foolish, self-righteous perspective. And a new perspective that I'm heaven-bound because by faith alone I have received the righteousness of God and the Lord has credited that to my life account. Believing is the entry point. Believing introduces us to a life of faith. Believing is a component that keeps us on a journey of always choosing God's righteousness versus our own righteousness. Choosing God's sense of unfolding destiny in our lives over and above what we think we deserve because of the great works we have been doing for God. How do we believe? In a vacuum, through a theory, through something a friend shares? Absolutely not. Romans 10, verse 8, makes it very clear that the word which we hear, the word which is near us, the word that we hear regarding this righteousness that brings us into faith, develops till the word is in our hearts. Then it's in our mouth. Then it's back in our hearts. Then it grows in our and potency as we speak it from our lips. But it's a cycle of conviction, a cycle that when you hear the word of salvation, a word that bridges us out of self-righteousness into God's righteousness, we may be far from happy about that dynamic. Usually the gospel maddens 
before it gladdens. I was saved two and a half years, and the gospel was still driving me scatty. Jesus hadn't quite listened to me. All I wanted was a personal happiness package. I was very open to his blessings, but I hadn't really quite signed up for the Lord bit. That was so offensive to me. I can recall wrestling with God for the final year of my first 20, of my first 30 months as a believer when he was impressing lordship upon me and I'm saying no default position, savior, thank you very much. It would feel like he was sitting on the end of my bed waiting for me to wake up in the morning to bug me all through that day. It was tough. I had no knowledge of the word worth talking about. I believe Jesus was only many ways that you could find peace with God. I was an Alcoholics Anonymous at that point. I was not there doing sociological research. I was there because I needed to be there. I would sit talking to Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and all kinds of guys, and we would all agree there are many ways to God when the Lordship of Jesus started turning up in my life. The Word grew in my heart. I began to speak it out my mouth, even with clenched teeth. It was the Word that agonized my soul. But in January 4th, 1986, almost two and a half years after my conversion, something happened. There was a shift through a visitation of the Lord that brought forth the full consummation of my marriage to God in Christ Jesus. For in Romans 10, verse 9, something took place. And my heart that resembled what we read in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I confessed that about 11 p.m. that night, and it was because I was exhausted, holding Jesus with one hand and aspects of the world with your other hand wears you out. A spirit full of Jesus and a head full of rock and roll is a terrible combination. A mind full of self-will that manifests here and there. I got to the stage where it says, Jesus, just be my Lord, have my life, do whatever you like with it, because I'm done. You're my Lord. I am saved. Good night, Jesus. I woke up at 4 p.m. the next afternoon. I slept like a baby, 16, 17 hours I knew something had happened in my life. I had encountered the power of God historically, but it was a peace. I'm walking about my kitchen, making a cup of tea. It was this peace that was flowing through my life. The enemy says to give Jesus absolutely everything results in a great loss truth of the word of God is when Jesus truly 
becomes our Lord. What we give up in terms of sacrifice becomes a laughing matter when we release fully into the faith, dynamics in our spirit that propel us to the great confession of the faith. I am a saved man. The world says evangelical Christians can't say they're saved any longer. It's too old-fashioned. It means we need to turn the volume up just a little bit more. Worship leaders write lots of songs proclaiming the people of God are saved. I'm saved! I'm saved! I'm saved! What part of saved do you not understand? Or would you like me to run it past you all over again? Our lips confess Jesus as Lord. It's not just simply making a declaration. Every time you say Jesus is Lord, we should fall on our knees and tremble. For the word Lord finds its roots in a Hebrew word that was translated generally as Jehovah. But before that, one of the names of God, Yahweh, was so holy a name that Jewish scholars didn't even want to say the name. And when they wrote the letters, they missed parts of the word out because it was too holy a name to commit to a parchment. That's why there was such an offense in the early church when the believers were proclaiming Jesus is Lord. What they were saying to their Jewish neighbors and communities was simply, Jesus is Yahweh. We can live in the awe and wonder of who Jesus is in our lives. That when we make that proclamation and prayer, Lord, when we say Jesus is Lord, there should be a part of a spirit wants to fall, wants to take you and I to a place we fall on our knees when we recognize our lives are governed by Yahweh. This is not a trifling matter. This is not a cheap grace ticket to glory. Our lips and our hearts are involved in this great confession. Romans 10, verse 10, we read, For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. It's an ongoing journey. We believe with our heart, we confess with our lips. The righteousness of God that abides in our spirit will grow and develop as we confess who Christ Jesus is within us, And we will see through our believing an ongoing revelation of truth that will expand, that will manifest anointing, that will bring us to a place of 
new positioning out there. For much of our faith should be worked out in the marketplace, as well as within a church community. Romans 10 verse 10 is the launch pad to the work that God has created, has wrought in us through Romans 10 verse 4 to 9. Romans 10, 10 is the launch pad as we believe, as we speak, as we live in the reality of righteousness. It takes us to place of enlightenment regarding this great salvation that's in our lives by faith alone. I'm going to finish in six minutes. Six Scottish minutes. There are consequences for entering into this great salvation by faith alone. It's not at that point we depart from Jesus and say, see you in heaven. The consequences are incredibly positive. Righteousness is always positive. Righteousness spoils our sinful desires. And we should thank Almighty God for that. For if you and I had gone into the action component of some of the sinful desires we've carried over the years, we would be humiliated and ashamed today. We can praise God that righteousness messes up sinful desires. There are consequences that are positive in nature, life-giving in nature, and create dynamics that give us longevity. Being a Christian is the only thing I've stuck with in my entire life. Pre-Jesus, I picked things up, I laid them down, and no doubt when I came to know Jesus in 1983, people thought it was just simply another fad. Full of Jesus this week, he'll be full of vodka the next week. Thirty years on, you can put a number, you can put your own number in that statement of longevity. 30 years on, I'm living in the reality of dynamics that were set in my life through the consequences of faith that have given me longevity. Three Bible verses, and then we are done. Romans, we have considered key scriptures from Romans 10, verse 4, all the way through to 10. Very quickly, splinter verses of scriptures to give us some consequences to work on prophetically, to allow the Holy Spirit to inspire that faith, grow that faith, develop that faith. Romans 5 verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have peace with God this morning. You have peace with God this morning. That's fantastic. God is not our enemy. He's our father. He's our friend. Heaven has no enmity towards you and I at all. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is positional truth. Whether we feel it or not, we are blessed this morning with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What will that look like in Monday morning when our week begins again? It means by the same faith that brought us into salvation, we can apply that same faith to bring the blessings of God into our lives in the temporal. We can access the blessings of God because we are already seated there in heavenly places. Colossians 2 verse 10, and in him you have been made complete. Yay! I love being a Christian so much. Preaching this message is almost making me become a Christian all over again. We're complete in Christ Jesus. Am I complete in myself? Are you kidding? Is this some kind of joke? I look at my own life and get thoroughly depressed. And I tell you what I've discovered and make you thoroughly depressed. In myself, forget it. The flesh profiteth nothing. But in my spirit, in my kingdom life, I'm already complete in Christ Jesus. And that will be released incrementally to my life over my lifespan. I look a lot more like Jesus today than I did 30 years ago when I began my journey. And as the Lord completes his work in me over the years, well, I'm believing that more and more I will be conformed to his image. This is the message that will turn the religious and secular world upside down again. New Age says you can have believing without belonging. And we say, bunkum. Maybe use a better word. We say believing means receiving the righteousness of God, belonging to the community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, entering in to a spiritual relationship with the universal church, the body of Christ, worldwide, that when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt, and when one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice. Wrapping this up in 30 Scottish seconds. Sola fide, by faith alone. Why should we rejoice so vehemently, and why should we rejoice so forcefully? Because this message is truth. In a world full of lies, we stand on truth. When we live by faith alone, in Christ Jesus, when we live in and out of the righteousness that's not of our own making, but a righteousness that became part of who we are in the new birth, then we know we are a people of truth, operating in the certainty that truth brings in a world that is moving into even deeper, uncertain times. A world that's being prepared by Almighty God to hear truth with a fresh set of ears, with a heart hungry for truth. Sola fide. 
by faith alone. You just open your hands as Hannah prays a prayer of benediction. God, we're saved. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved by your grace. And Lord, you have saved us. It is you who have saved us. And God, you have come to be with us. You have come to save us. And Lord, we are saved. And Lord, we ask that as we go from this house today to the rest of our week, God, that your presence here with us now, your salvation that's here with us now, would follow us. God, that your presence would follow us, that you are with us here now, that you are with us tomorrow as we wake up, as we go to work, that you are with us, God, every step of the way. Lord, we ask that we would have an understanding of our salvation in every aspect of our lives, God, that we would carry your presence. God, that you would go with us and that we would welcome you with us every day, Father, until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.